Hi, this is Dion Bake from Butler Mortgage. We're currently ranked the number one mortgage brokerage in Ontario and number two in Canada. And much of our success is due to the fact that we help clients acquire multiple investment properties. If you'd like to talk with a mortgage advisor who specializes in investment property, you can reach me at 888-684-8326. To learn more about what's going on in the world of investment property financing, check out episode 23 of the Breakthrough Podcast, where I discuss the topic with Robin Sandy. Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast, episode 114. If you're looking for the skills and tools to succeed in real estate investing, you've come to the right place. This show is about breaking through barriers, breaking through limiting beliefs, and breaking through to the life that you want to live through the power of real estate investing. This is the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Rob Brake and Sandy McKay. We have a very interesting guest to get to, Austin, and he's uh, over here just waiting patiently. Those of you joining us on Facebook Live now can probably see him. Um, so that if you haven't done that, we welcome everybody to come out every Wednesday at 1030 and check us out on Facebook Live. And other than that, though, if you just want to listen to it in audio, you can do that the way you always have. Go over to BreakthroughREIPodcast.ca, and there you can listen to any one of our, uh, of our episodes that you see fit. Anyone that sort of relates to what you're doing at the time, we've probably got some information that'll help you along. So please go over and do that. What else can they do while they're there? They can grab our free report, The Ultimate Strategy for Investing in Real Estate, and uh, that'll walk them through the strategy we use a lot of to invest uh, our money in real estate and uh, how they can use that. And they can also get on our email list through that, which will keep them updated on all the events we do, live events, property tours. Uh, we do a lot of stuff. So we get on our, our email list there and, and not miss a beat and not miss an episode uh, as they come out. And are you still doing property tours, Joe? Uh, virtually. We're doing virtual, virtual ones. ones. Yeah. So we've got a virtual tour this Saturday at 10:30. If you're interested in that, please get a hold of me. Um, Rob at mrbreakthrough.ca. We'll throw them out at the beginning of the show too. <laughs> so we're doing things a little differently. So we have to adapt, I guess, a bit. Yeah. Hey. Um, so we've got a property tour this Saturday. What I'm going to do is do a zoom call just like we're doing. I've got James Kennedy from the team as well. Who's going out to do a couple of properties. I'm going to be walking through a couple of properties and then we're going to sit down together and we'll uh, show the videos and answer any questions that people have. And we've done a couple of them already and they've worked out quite well. So I hope to see anyone interested uh, there on Saturday. Awesome. The virtual uh, property tours, everything's yeah. shifting around and we're, we're, we're shifting a bit with our, our, our model here for the podcast, which is exciting. Hopefully everyone who's listening as most of our listeners have in the past, uh, jump on board and go like our Facebook page, breakthrough real estate investing and make sure you get on the, the Facebook lives. Like you said, every Wednesday. Excited to be doing um, that. And what are you guys doing? You guys must be adapting as well. You got any property tours or anything like that? Uh, you know, we, we are doing an event tonight, actually. We're doing a uh, event around joint venture, um, joint venture deals uh, with our uh, executive properties capital uh, arm of our business there. So 6.30, actually, they can register. I think if you go to, if you go like our page, um, McKay Realty Network on Facebook, you'd be able to find that pretty easily and go check out that event. Um, we do a lot of things there. So 
if you go like our Facebook page, McKay Realty Network, probably the best place to go check out what we're up to uh, week to week. Right on. And go over to iTunes and just leave us a review. Hopefully you've got something nice to say about the show. If you don't, well, that's fine. We'll hear that too. But uh, go over to iTunes and subscribe and leave us a little bit of a comment and a review for the show. It always helps us out. So it makes us more accessible to more people. So please go and do that. All right. I think we've got everything out of the way now. Down to the nitty gritty stuff. Awesome. Let's introduce our guest here. Austin. Austin. How do I actually pronounce your name? Austin. Austin Yee? Austin Yee. Austin Yee. Okay. Canadian style. Love it. <laughs> Austin Yee is a 24-year-old professional real estate investor from Toronto, Ontario. He started exploring the world of real estate investing after reading the classic book we talk about all the time on this show, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And at the age of just 23, he purchased his first investment property in Windsor, Ontario. Uh, without having any systems, teams, knowledge, or education in place. And he, uh, you know, putting his entire life savings in the investment, as well as borrowing money from his parents, his girlfriend, and made for a really stressful experience. Uh, we can get into a little bit that about, about that in the interview. Uh, although the deal was stressful, he still made it profitable and learned from the mistakes. He made his first investment and decided to spend hundreds of hours and thousands of dollars building his real estate IQ through attending networking events, seminars, uh, and hiring full-time real estate coach. And now 17 months later, after reading the book, uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad, Austin scaled to now 15 properties. Wow, in just 17 months. And most of them being in the Windsor area and all while still working full-time in his finance job in downtown Toronto. And so this was done through leveraging the Burr strategy and joint ventures while investing at a distance. So pretty cool story there. Love to hear a little more about that. Um, why don't you start us off a little bit telling us more about how you got started in real estate. Yeah, I guess uh, to give a bit of background uh, where I come from. Um, so my parents were born and raised in India um, and they decided to emigrate down to Canada. So it's the typical immigrant story that you hear. Um, they're working blue collar jobs, trying to make ends meet. So really when I was growing up, I had hard work very instilled in me in frugality because they didn't like to spend a lot of money on things. Um, so of course, being a hard worker, getting into school, He's a very, very studious student. Um, so always got high grades. So it's always hitting the books. Um, and I was doing everything right. So I was getting involved in extracurricular activities. Um, I, I was getting good grades at school, but I decided to work a couple of different internships. And through the internships, although they were quote unquote prestigious at the time, um, it's just something that I didn't really enjoy. So I worked at PwC uh, in audit, consulting at Deloitte, um, Hydro One, and then right now I'm working at RBC full-time. So by all metrics of quote-unquote success based on the traditional definition, I should be happy, but uh, I, I, I wasn't very content with where I was at. So I knew that there was something wrong. Um, and the reason why was because uh, going to the corporate job, doing the nine-to-five grind, commuting, uh, giving into the corporate politics, just something that I didn't want to do uh, for the rest of my life. And ultimately, I started reading the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, um, as you guys mentioned a bit earlier. And that really just was a light switch in my head that changed everything. So I decided instead of spending the money I was making on, on stupid stuff, like whether that was going out partying on like designer stuff and all of that crap, I decided to invest it. And uh, since then, I never really looked back. I had about um, 40 or 45 grand saved at the time because I worked a bunch of summer jobs throughout high school. Uh, Chinese New Year money, birthday money, that was all saved up in the bank. 
Um, so, and I had scholarships in university. So upon graduation and all of that, I had about 40, 45 grand. Of course that couldn't buy anything in the GTA. So I had to find another market. And uh, the only other affordable market was really just Windsor that I could find uh, where the numbers made sense. So uh, I'll be honest, like kind of what you were mentioning before, I didn't really do that, that much research when getting into the investment, just the numbers made sense. It was what I could afford. So I jumped in there at the time. And uh, since then I've just been able to scale. Um, but that's kind of the intro of, of how I got introduced to the world of real estate investing. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about um, that investment then, the one that uh, you did first, mm-hmm. uh, that place in Windsor. What was it that appealed to you about it? There must have been something. Did you find uh, a realtor that sort of steered you into that property? What was it? Yeah, so funny story about that. Um, when I started looking at the MLS for properties down at Windsor, um, I still didn't have an agent down there. So I was going kind of blind, blind eyed and just like figuring stuff out at a, as I was doing it. So I was on the MLS and just calling every listing agent of properties that I found interesting. So I wasn't super familiar with the area at the time. And one of the properties I was interested in actually ended up selling to someone else. But that agent said, Hey, like if you're interested in buying something, why don't you come down in Windsor and I can show you a couple properties. Um, that's big mistake. Number one is don't work with the first agent you come in contact with, do your due diligence, make sure your agent is investor oriented. Uh, make sure they've worked with investors before they have a couple of investment properties on their own. Uh, that way, of course, they they'll have a better idea of what you're looking for, but I didn't do any of that. So, um, I drove down to Windsor that weekend with my dad and, uh, the agent was just taking me around a couple of properties around the area. So, duplexes, single family homes. Um, and then she pretty much kind of pressured me to buy a property. She says, okay, like, which one are you interested in? And at that time, uh, I still wasn't super familiar with how the real estate process really worked. So I thought, man, like she spent so much time taking me around to properties. I feel obligated to buy something. Uh, so I just went with the property that I could afford at the time, which was a single family house. Uh, I bought it for $130,000. Uh, and at the time, even that was pretty cheap in Windsor standards. Um, and that property, when I was walking through it, uh, I, I looked at kind of what renovations needed to be done. And I ballparked somewhere around 10 grand. Uh, but at that time, again, like I wasn't super knowledgeable on renovation. So where I got that 10 grand from, I, I couldn't tell you. But uh, it was kind of just like, oh, okay, like paint, flooring, sure, about $10,000. And once I ended up, purchasing that property, I was like, oh crap. So now I have a property that's going to be closing in about two months. I need to really figure my stuff out. And that's when I started doing uh, much more research rather than before when I was starting off, I should have done all of that research up front, then decided to get into my investment property. But I kind of worked backwards. Um, But yeah, so like after I ended up picking that property up, uh, I knew that I had no contractors down at Windsor no property manager, no one I can rely on. And uh, that's when I got introduced to a couple of channels on YouTube, uh, Canadian real estate investor channels. And they're always preaching to go out networking, go out networking. So I found a local meetup down at Windsor and I pretty much drove down there uh, for the next couple of weeks back and forth, just meeting with investors, going to the meetups and building teams and relationships down there. So Uh, By doing that, I was able to get contractors, get property managers and be referred to other people and kind of the power team, which I'm sure we'll be talking about a little later on. Um, But yeah, so 
I would like to tell you and, and that I did a ton of research, but I'd be lying to you. It was kind of just like figuring out as I go. And luckily for me, um, the investment worked out well just because the market appreciated quite a bit. So it made up for any mistakes that I made in the beginning, um, like such as my renovation budget. It pretty much doubled. It was much more than I thought it would be. Um, but yeah, like through those mistakes that I learned through the appreciating market, it was, it was real estate became a forgiving asset. So at the end of the day, I was still able to refinance the property through those renovations and give a second go at it with my second property. And by the time I ran around my second property, I made sure that I didn't make the same mistakes I made the first time. You know what though, would you call it a mistake or would you call it taking action? Because there is an element of both there, I would say. Like you can't, I mean, you read the book, you read the Rich Dad, Poor Dad book, right? You understood uh, real estate as an investment choice. And then you went out and you bought something. So in my opinion, really, like when you say I should have done it the other way around, I don't know that you should have. I mean, maybe, maybe you wouldn't have taken that leap because there's a lot of people that do go, wait a minute, I don't know enough yet. And then, and then they don't know when to draw the line to say, I know enough now. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. So uh, I've always been a proponent that there are a couple of ways to learn in real estate. One, you work for someone for free, someone more experienced. So you're giving your time to get knowledge out of it. Um, or two, uh, you could just learn from your own mistakes, right? So you can kind of uh, just just buy a property, make the mistakes you need to make and take that forward to, uh, to, uh, as learning lessons. And, and obviously don't make those mistakes again. Three, you can hire a coach, like pay a coach to actually learn from them. Um, or yeah, so th those are kind of the three options that I looked at it. So I 100% agree with you. So maybe the mistake wasn't the right word, but more so kind of taking action and taking those, I guess, hiccups as learning lessons. And obviously that helped me grow as an investor. True enough. Now you were talking about when you started out, as is the story with a lot of us who are, uh, who have the ability to sort of take the action step and then tackle the problems as they arise starting out like you you were saving money and and people listening to this might go well come on saving birthday money how's that going to get you a property but quite honestly you start you 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 start with the idea right so um the the goal is to buy a property now how do you get over all of these hurdles these limiting beliefs that i don't have enough money i don't have enough experience right like you didn't have any of those things how do you get over those in your in your mind yeah. So at that time I, or even just now, like I'm still living in Toronto. So I was always under the impression that real estate was extraordinarily expensive. So one of my limiting beliefs right off the bat was that I have to save like 200, $300,000 before I can even break into the world of real estate. Uh, and then the other limiting belief is that it's an extremely risky asset. Don't get into real estate. It's overvalued. Um, and it's, it's not a scalable business. Like, what are you doing? Um, so like there were a bunch of people telling me different things of why I shouldn't get into real estate investing. And that was where the issue was, is that like who I was surrounding myself with, because pretty much other than the YouTube videos and the books I was reading, which is being lone wolf and learning myself, everyone else around me was telling me not to do it. So of course that advice rubbed off to me. Like I was giving myself second doubts every step of the way because I would always hear chirping from people left, right, and center that, oh, you're not doing the right thing. Um, so I find that a lot of the time, the people who are giving you advice don't know what you want to accomplish, have no idea about the real estate investment asset itself, or hasn't even attempted to do what you were trying to do before. 
So I think to get over these limiting beliefs, you need to surround yourself with the right people. Those are the people who accomplished the goals that you wanted that you have accomplished. So for me, one of my goals is early retirement, being able to escape the corporate job and pretty much live life on my own terms. I was not going to get positive advice from people who are working corporate jobs. And I don't know why I thought I would get positive advice from those type of people because they don't understand my vision. They don't understand my goal. So in, in, in response to the limiting belief, I think that people really need to take a step uh, away from kind of the negative advice that they're getting from the everyday average person and surround themselves with people who are actually living, breathing, and, and doing what they want to accomplish. And just by that shift in network, uh, there's gonna be a surge of positive energy. There's gonna be motivation. There's gonna be inspiration. And that definitely was kind of a pivotal change for me in my real estate journey. Whereas one group of people were telling me, I can't do this, I can't do this. And when I surrounded myself with another group of people, they said, well, you can do that and we've done it. And it was just like, they were walking living proof. So I think uh, in, in order to get over limiting beliefs, it's just kind of shifting your circle of friends. Um, you're the product of the five people you surround yourself with the most. So if you're the only friend that wants financial independence and your five friends are content working corporate jobs and they're telling you not to invest in real estate, chances are you're not going to be a successful investor. But if your five friends are people who are absolutely crushing it in the real estate game, chances are it's very probable that you're going to be crushing it somewhere down the line eventually as well. Good advice. Love that. Uh, people need to hear that. You know, it's, um, it's, it's not that you can't do something in, in order to achieve something, you have to set it as a goal and then work towards it. Otherwise it's never going to happen. And, uh, and I remember that exact same thing happening to me and Sandy, I'm probably, it probably happened to you too. Like when you're starting out, everybody around you, no, I should, I should rephrase that. Nobody around you has that same mindset to, to invest in real estate. That was the biggest thing I heard was it's too risky. It's too risky. What are you doing? You're going to fail. Mm -hmm. I want to know about your, even like you mentioned your first investment was with your parents or they're involved in it. Um, yeah. A lot of, a lot of us don't have support right away from parents, whether it's financial or just like, um, you know, verbally or, you know, what did that look like for you? Cause at a young age, you dove in there. It seems like they were probably relatively supportive. Um, what did that look like? And how did you overcome any hurdles with that? Cause that's yeah. always a tough one. So funny thing is they actually were not supportive. They were one of the people that said, don't do it. But uh, I decided to do it anyway. I trusted the real estate asset. So I ended up buying the property. So as I was telling you, I had around 40 to 45 grand saved up. And that was right in line with my 10 K renovation budget that I had stuck in my head. Uh, but then realistically, the renovation budget was not 10K because I had to do some electrical work. And we know that electrical work can get expensive. Um, I had to gut a washroom. I had to gut a kitchen, which for whatever reason, I just thought I could just like leave it as is and, and rent it out. But then I, I understood that to attract higher tenant quality, I need to give a higher product out there. So renovations were going above budget. And regardless of what my parents thought I was doing was right or wrong, at the end of the day, I was already in too deep with my life savings. So um, at that time, I didn't have lines of credits as well, which I suggest all real estate investors get as much lines of credits as you can. Uh, it's just access to capital, whether you're going to use it or not. Um, so really, I, I had limited choices of who I could go to with money because my, like, my credit card was wrapped up. I had all my money 
in the investment. I had no lines of credit, so I was out of options. So I was pretty much forced to go to my parents and let them know like, hey, this is what I'm doing with the property. This is the progress I made so far. These are the mistakes I made along the way. Um, but like, here are the comparable properties, right? Like, this is what I bought it for. This is how much I think renovations are going to be. This is what I think the comps are going to be like, what the property is going to be worth. I'll, like they probably didn't really care about the comps, but, but really they were just there to say like, you know what? We understand that you're kind of doing, taking the right steps, uh, towards your journey and, and you're taking action. You're putting in work. We can see that you're motivated and dedicated. So I don't think most parents would let their 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 child like drown in debt or anything like that so they just gave me like a small loan of six or seven thousand dollars uh to get through with the investment right so i'll, I'll tell you they were not confident with giving me the six or seven thousand dollars you just i had no other options right and my girlfriend loaned me another three thousand dollars on top of that to make the number to, to for me to fund my renovations um and ultimately when i was able to refinance and appraise the property and pull that money back to pay them out that's when they saw oh wow Austin really knows what he's doing, regardless if I knew what I was doing or not, because of course their appreciation <laughs> played a part. Um, but they understood that the real estate asset is an amazing investment and there is opportunity to bump value through renovations and pull the money out. So that's when they become a bit more confident with the real estate as asset and became a little bit more supporting. Um, I think with a lot of parents as well, you, you as a child can do a bunch of research, but they kind of want to see the results before they really get pulled into it. They want to see you have a bit of success. Um, but for most parents, I feel like they'd be reasonable. Like if you're in need of a bit of money, like I'm not saying a hundred grand or anything like that, maybe five, 10 grand and you have the rest of the money. Most parents would, would probably be able to fork that up. Uh, and, and, and hopefully uh, you do your due diligence and do the work to refinance and give them the money back. Well, you had their scholarships for school and whatnot. Maybe you saved them some money there. It's, it's a lot cheaper to, throw you five grand than whatever school was going to cost probably. Right. So absolutely you saved yeah. in there. So sounds like a fair deal question, uh, to continue along the parent line here. Now you have just like took, taken off like a bolt of lightning. Now, what do they think about that? Like, are they a little bit worried now and kind of go, Whoa, well, wait a minute. Like, yeah, we supported this one thing, but like, let's not go crazy now. Slow down <laughs> for the first two or three properties they understood what I was doing, but they were still a bit cautious. Right. But I think it's funny because as I started putting my business out there on social media, getting featured on more podcasts, um, and, and, and being on YouTube a bit more and having my brand credibility build up. not only did I attract, I guess, like audiences who didn't know me prior and became a figure of kind of authority in real estate, but my parents saw me the same way. So as I was branding, my parents kind of looked at me as like, Oh, like he's on podcasts and all of that. He has to know what he's talking about. He has to be experienced. Um, so at the beginning when I was doing things and, uh, the real estate investment was like paying off, they still had their hesitations. But as I started branding myself out there, my parents started believing the kind of the brand that I started putting out there as well. Um, as I started to scale a bit more, they've been, they've been very supportive just because, I'm not really asking for anything financially from them because now I'm kind of stable and on my own. So I have my own finances to support my projects. I have my joint venture partners, which allow me to raise capital and continue to scale the portfolio. Um, so as long as I'm really just kind of being reliant on myself and not asking them for too much money, uh, I think they're okay with it. And they're actually very impressed more so than skeptical with the progress that I've been making. 
Um, and they're, they're always saying like, if you need anything from us uh, financially, like let us know, because I think they have a bit more confidence in their real estate asset and, and what I'm doing. Um, but results speak for themselves, obviously. So if I was able to scale at such a short amount of time, despite kind of what they were saying at the beginning, it kind of uh, debunked their thoughts that they had at the beginning. So they don't really doubt me as much anymore. Um, but, but to that question, like scaling quickly, I had concerns about what I was doing uh, as I was scaling overly quickly. And that's one of the mistakes that I made into real estate investment was that I thought buying, 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 buying was the name of the game. But pacing yourself and understanding that it's not a race is just as important. Because there was times that I was closing properties so frequently. And I was like, man, like, what happens if I don't refinance this property to pay the next property? Like, I'm going to be screwed because I don't have the capital. I'm relying on this property to be refinanced to fund my next one. So more recently, I've slowed it down and said, like, man, like, the numbers have to definitely make sense. I have to grow at a slower pace. And I just have to make sure that I built so much wealth at the beginning. I want to make sure that I preserve the wealth now and just be very conservative going forward. Yeah, because that's 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 a fast pace to grow at, and uh, I think um, you know a lot of people want to just race against other people, and it's a competition, right? And if you're in real estate, and a lot of a lot of people are pretty competitive, right? So you want to beat that other person, or beat. Ultimately, what there's there's much matter at the end of the day. There's not like a scoreboard out there where everyone's getting ranked on how many properties they have or how much wealth you build. This is it's for you individually. What do you want to, your lifestyle to look like, and what do you want that to you know? Do you want to be stressing every night around refis and closings and things like that? I mean. Yes, to an uh, to extent probably, but uh, you also want to factor into what your life looks like overall, right? Mm-hmm. And, and peace of mind is so important. I've lost peace of mind and I was just so scared every day. I was like, oh man, like if some, all it takes is one to go wrong for mm-hmm. me to kind of derail the entire progress and to start from square one again. So man, like I can't stress enough that although people are putting, I, I would say a facade out there that scaling quickly is the right way to go. It's trust me, it's not the right way to go. Uh, scaling at uh, a progressive slow pace that you're comfortable with and having peace of mind in your head day in and day out being able to sleep at night is the most important thing and there are times where I'll just like toss and turn I was like oh man like what if this goes wrong what if this goes wrong trust me you guys you, you don't want to get an element of that, that never goes away though too right there's definitely an element of that that stays regardless of how much you've done if you've got a closing coming up you you're probably gonna worry about it to a certain extent no matter how long you've been doing this um, mm-hmm. now really quickly, how were you able to do this? So we've talked about that you did it, but what does that look like? Like, how were you able to have, you know, basically um, like probably closing a month roughly, right? So yes. How you did it. Um, so at the beginning, I was kind of doing it myself. So the growth at the beginning was a bit slower. Then it became a bit more rapid. So at the beginning, it was buy the property, renovate it, refinance it, buy another property. Luckily with my first property, the tenant paid one year rent up front. So I took that money and took whatever refinance money I had, put that together and bought a second property, did the same thing again, and then bought a third property. And at that time I was kind of giving into the, oh man, like I need to scale quicker, 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 quicker. So I knew that if I was to just use my own capital this entire time, Either I will get one capped out by my borrowing capacity, which happened relatively quick, or two, I would get capped out by the amount of capital, right? Because I'm not, it's like some deals won't be perfect burrs. And when they're not a perfect burr, that obviously is going to take away from your, 
your capital capacity. So at a certain point, you need to raise capital, whether that's going to be private money or whether that's going to be joint ventureships with other people. Um, so during this entire process, I was putting kind of all of everything that I was doing on social media, on Instagram in specific. So I was recording uh, the renovations I was doing, the progress I was making, the networking events I was going out to, and just everything was documented on social media. So people knew I was hustling. And at the same time, there were other investors out there or people who wanted to be investors telling themselves, hey, like, I like what this guy's doing. I like the returns he's getting, but I don't want to do all the work he's doing because I see his Instagram stories. I see him hustling, uh, grinding like 10, 15 hours a day. I don't think I can do that personally, but is there a way that I can partner with this person? Um, so that's how I started to pique the interest is just by documenting everything on social media and, and building that credibility in the brand. And as I was making more and more progress in real estate, uh, people would start reaching out to me. It would start off with questions with like, Hey, I want to do this. I want to do that. Could I get your advice? And I was just answering these questions without, um, just out of my, the kindness of the heart, like you don't expect anything back. Right. And just continuing doing that regularly. So it must've been like six or seven months of that period where um, I just wasn't asking for anything back. I was just like answering questions, sharing material, sharing my personal financial calculator and analysis tools, my appraisal documents with different people. And eventually it got to the point where I guess I built kind of a brand and credibility for myself and people who wanted to get into the winter market uh, because it's very high cash flow, low purchase price, manageable renovation. So you don't need 200K to get into the Windsor real estate market. 70 or 80K is enough for down payment and renovations. Uh, and a lot of people don't have that 200,000. So it's a great entry point. So people would reach out to me in regards to partnership opportunities. So by the fourth property, I was starting to raise capital just because of the brand I built for myself. And since then, it's been kind of the same pace. I've just been raising capital. I've been doing some wholesale deals on the side as well to help me make some more money as well so I can deploy myself. Uh, but yeah, just a mix of increasing my personal income and raising capital through joint ventureships is what allowed me to really take off with the most recent properties. And after refinancing some properties for my partners, again, they would take that money and redeploy it with me for another investment. So with a particular partner, I have like three or four properties with them now. What do you, what do you view as your biggest mistake so far in real estate? My biggest mistake, uh, I think I, I alluded on it a bit earlier, was uh, a bit of FOMO. So the fear of missing out because people need to be wary that social media, everyone is kind of putting out an image. You're building a brand out there, right? So for me, my brand is uh, the Burr Investor being able to scale quickly at a young age. But there's a lot of back end things to it when you unveil the curtain. There's a lot of stress. Um, and, and, and as I was, I was telling you guys before, there's a lot of like sleepless night thinking what's going to happen next. Yeah. So, so there was a lot of stress and, and not, not knowing what's going to happen next. So I was just trying to scale as aggressively as possible because of the fear of missing out. People were constantly putting that content out that you got to grow, 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 grow. If you like, you can retire by the age of 27, 28, 29. And of course, um, that sounded very attractive to me because I wanted to retire as early as possible. So that meant I was willing to take much more risk, uh, that unnecessary risk at that. Um, so my biggest mistake was just looking at what's out there in social media and thinking that I need to be like everyone else instead of doing what's comfortable for me. So if I could do it over again, I would probably 
uh, I, I would actually slow down the scale a bit more. And as I'm going through properties, kind of like when I'm maybe 70% of the way through, then try attracting another joint venture partner and going from there. But for the first while, I was just like trying to get as many joint venture partners as possible. Um, obviously, that wasn't necessarily doing justice both ways, but I've definitely kind of changed that approach where I'm like, look, I can only do one project, maybe two projects at max at a time. And like once those projects are done, then I can be open to taking a, a new JV partner. Um, of course, things ended up going, things go, ended up going well with the previous joint venture partner. So the numbers still ended up working out. We were still able to refinance, get the cash flow. They were able to get their initial investment back. However, um, if now, like that was kind of a learning experience for me that now going forward, let's, let's just pace yourself, Austin. It's not a race, right? Like uh, FOMO, like get all of the social media stuff out of your head. Just do what's comfortable for you and grow at a comfortable pace for yourself. Because um, like the quicker, again, like the quicker you grow, the more room for mistake there are because there is, there is growing too quickly. You might not have enough contractors um, to get all of the projects done, right? You might, you might be tenanting five properties out at a time. So yeah, like well, just you gotta live things. life at the same time too, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I totally, I totally like everything in life. Like I was just like, okay, it's just pretty much real estate and my full-time work at that point. I was doing this to get more connected with my family, to get more connected with my friends so I can get the value of time back. I can retire and spend time with them. But while I was doing real estate and scaling, I was actually neglecting all of those things that I was doing it for in the first place. So it, it was a realization. It was like, man, I was doing it for all of these things, but now I'm pushing all of those things aside just to grow the portfolio as quickly as possible. And that obviously wasn't, that didn't make me content. And, and I actually lost motivation. But now I think I found a very good balance between the work life, the family life, and obviously still scaling the portfolio at a manageable pace. And I, and I always take this for granted, but we should probably go back to it. Now you're calling yourself a Burr investor. So let's just... So what you mean by that is basically you're buying something, you're renovating it to its best value, yeah. and then having the bank come back in, reappraise it now with all of the changes you've done and allow you to refinance that, look at it again at the new value that you've created in the house. And then, and then being able to take that money that you're getting back at the new value and take it and invest in something else again, move forward. Exactly. Yeah. So we talk about to... it so much that I forget that sometimes <laughs> there might be people out there that listen to this and, and don't really know what we're talking about when we say that. So I just thought I'd take a second to clarify what that all meant. Where you live in Toronto and you invest in Windsor, how do you manage your properties from that distance? Yeah. So um, a lot of investors say it again and again, and I'm just going to reiterate it because it's super important. The fact doesn't change. You need a power team. Um, I'm a firm believer that you do not, if you're not an expert at real estate per se, and by that, I mean, like, I can't swing hammers. Um, I, I can't physically drive down there and properly manage things myself. So I need to lean on the expert. So I'm a very good manager. I can orchestrate things together. I can organize it. I can get things moving. And I think that's a very important skill for a real estate investor, especially since the goal for a lot of investors is to retire, to travel, to enjoy life you're not going to be able to do any of those things if you can't learn to outsource efficiently. So having the right power team means having the right contractors you can rely on. So for me, the systems I have with my contractor is, is that before I purchase a property, I would get a contractor to walk through the property, take a video tour 
send photos to me. As soon as they walk through the property, get on a phone call with me. Hey, like what renovations need to be done on this project? Uh, oh, did you notice that it, the basement height was a bit higher? So is it possible to add a couple bedrooms down there? Oh, is there a living room and a dining room? Is it possible we can convert one of that to a bedroom? Add an extra washroom somewhere. So I just talk on the phone with the contractor about the game plan with the property. Then I get, he gives me like a ballpark renovation cost. I tag on 10, 15 or 20% on that, depending on the extent of renovations, just to be conservative. I take that number, I plug it in my analysis. So, uh, and, I, and I find what the comparable properties are around that region. So I work backwards to see what the purchase price will be, right? I'm doing all of these things from the comfort of my laptop, from the comfort of my cell phone, because I have the right people to verify these details for me. Uh, in terms of getting deals, how I get my deal flow is, is that I'm not physically there in Windsor door knocking. I am doing a couple of things. The first thing is I'm relying on other people door knocking. So I'm relying on wholesalers. One thing I do with wholesalers is that I pick up the phone. I call every Kijiji ad saying that we want to buy houses cash and say, Hey, I'm not looking to sell you a house, but are you a wholesaler by any chance? Yes. You're a wholesaler. Put me on your list. I'm interested in being on the list. And we know that there's like five or six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 ads there on Kijiji that's saying we buy houses cash. I'm just calling every one of those numbers. And that's how I'm building off the, uh, the deal lead. On top of that, I'm calling electricians. I'm calling plumbers. I'm calling agents. I'm calling lawyers. I'm calling home inspectors. I'm letting them know I am looking for properties. If you can find something for me and I end up closing on it, I'll give you a referral fee. I'll give you like a thousand, two thousand dollars if the deal is juicy enough. So telling everyone that touches, sees, smells real estate that I'm looking to buy. That's how I'm getting kind of the off market lead for construction. It's kind of having the systems in place with the contractor and for property management. It's really just, uh, it's really just finding the right property manager, right? So talking to your agents and asking for referrals, talking to other investors, there, asking for referrals, talking to other long distance investors. I'm not the first person to invest long distance, believe it or not. A bunch of people are. So I'll ask them like, Hey, what property management companies are you using? And I will actually make the effort to drive down to Windsor to interview different property management companies, then figure out which one that I find is most suitable for me that are, I want to do business with. Right. And once I have all of those things in place, um, then there's really no need for me to be down there to scale. Really all I'm looking at for is deal flow. One, I have the deal flow because I make all of those phone calls. Two, capital. I'm raising capital to their brand and credibility. And three, management. I have all my teams down there. So what's the reason for me needing to go back and forth, right? So that's how I've kind of been managing um, long distance. And I know this answer is kind of long-winded, but a quick analogy that I wanted to give is, is that um, a CEO of a small business is not going into like the three or four retail stores to check on them every single day. Like there's no way in hell they're doing that. They have better, bigger fish to fry and better things to do. What they're doing is they're hiring the right managers for each branch so that they can operate each individual business. As, uh, as a CEO, your job is to orchestrate these things to make sure that the success of your business continues to grow. And that's how I see it. I'm the CEO of my business and I'm just orchestrating the team members to make sure that things work out. That's a good way of putting it. If you're there installing cabinets, how can you possibly be looking for the next deal? Exactly. Yeah. I like it almost like from a distance it almost makes no i don't want to say it's easier it, it's in some respects it might be easier because it forces you to almost do that right if you're always there in person it's really easy it's two minutes away it's almost you it's get so stuck. easy to go you just see you yeah. get sucked in right uh it forces you to leverage a lot um which is you know good and bad i guess 
Mm-hmm. Bad. As long as you know what you're doing, it sounds like you're very. I mean, for a 23, 24 year old, I guess now it's uh, you're very seasoned on that that's that that business mindset. I think, which is uh, obviously you've done a lot of research and knowledge building around this uh, this stuff to, to help yourself grow to where you are. It's, it's forced you okay. to build your systems, which is you know yeah. important, and you had no choice. So it's really good. It's fantastic. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about the investment club. So you've built out, you founded a, a real estate investment club. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah. So it started off with me going to a lot of networking events that were quite far from my house. So um, I went to networking events in London in Windsor. Um, I went to the Durham REI meetup. Um, I was just going all over the place for different networking events, but it was hard to be committed to a specific club because I would have to make an effort to drive down there all the time to make, to, to attend their meetings. It wasn't convenient at all. And I couldn't find something like that in either core downtown or North York. So like the most populous areas of, of Ontario, um, that just happened. It just wasn't a meetup there. So I saw a need in that sense. And two, um, when I was in university, like one of the most enjoyable experience was attending, uh, attending, di- being a member of different clubs. Right. So, uh, if you were into chess, you would be in the chess club. If you were into accounting, you'd be in the accounting club. If you were into wrestling, you'll be in the wrestling club, right? So that's what makes kind of the journey fun is having a community of people that you can surround yourself with who have like-minded interests. And I found that uh, when I was going to different networking events, I was usually the youngest person in the room. And it was honestly very intimidating because I was looking at other people and saying, man, like they're so ahead of me. Um, like, I don't know what to say with them to, to them. I don't know if they want to talk to me. So it was pretty nerve wracking. Um, so I saw a couple of needs and I didn't want uh, a new investor to kind of feel what I felt when I was, when I was entering the real estate world. So I wanted to create a community that was targeted mainly towards, uh, the younger millennials. So your early thirties, uh, your twenties, of course we have people of all ages attend the event, but that's kind of the core segment and primary audience that I attract just because of course I'm a bit younger. And I don't care if you have zero properties, one properties or a hundred properties. The entire idea of it is to build a community, have us interact with each other, inspire each other and grow. Ultimately at the end of the day, um, everyone is starting from somewhere and we always encourage people to start real estate at an early age. However, we rarely ever see uh, 19 year olds or 20 year olds attend real estate networking events. Right. And as a former uh, real estate investor, like starting at 23, 23 year old, like I, I could see why it's just very intimidating. So by having an organization and I guess prime downtown North York, that solves the need for having a real estate event close by, uh, by having kind of a younger audience, um, that kind of solves the need for being able to attract the younger audience, um, to come out to networking events and encourage them to learn and to educate themselves. Um, and obviously again, like as, as kind of people within the same age group, it's easier to get along. It's easier to inspire each other. Uh, we obviously have similar interests. So that was the entire thought process behind that. And another thing was, is that I've always, so I, my background is that uh, my parents never grew up with a lot of money. In fact, they're still working blue collar jobs to this day. So very like, I, I guess, lower middle class family in terms of income. So I always told myself I wanted to give back to the community, like just forget the real estate community, but the overall community and build kind of a legacy out there. But as I was investing in real estate, I told myself like, man, I'll, I'll donate 5% of my cash flow to charity, but I just never did it, never did it, never did it. Right. And I was like, man, like at what point am I going to make that transition? So 
as my real, as the real estate meetup that I was hosting, which is rise network, um, as it started to grow, I was like, you know what, like, this is my opportunity to actually start giving back to the community at large. So I, uh, we started charging ticket prices of maybe 15 to $25, depending on the venue and the event and all of that. And with that money, any profits would donate it, uh, to local charities. And that's my way of giving back one to the real estate community, but two to the community at large, because that's something that I really wanted to focus on is building a legacy, not only in the real estate community, but in the greater, I, I guess the greater community out there. Um, so yeah, like that, that's kind of, uh, the thought process with the meetup. We also invite speakers obviously to educate, um, to educate the attendees and, uh, yeah, that, that's the entire premise of it. Well, you know what I really like about that too is uh, um, keeping the tickets affordable is good because a lot of these, like, and, and rightly so, I mean, when you're giving valuable information, people want, they always say, you know, the more you put into it, like if I'm going to go and I'm going to spend $100 on a ticket, I better darn well learn something with it and, and, uh, and, and take some action. But at the same time, I think there's very important to keep, to get people out there in order to get them out there, they're not going to like want to do that big investment before they really know what's going on. So I really do like that you are keeping it affordable, especially when you're targeting the younger audience, at least to get them out there. Uh, and then the rest of it going to charity is fantastic. I don't think anyone else is doing that model, at least not that exact model. Maybe they are taking some of that money and giving it to charity, but I really like this system. It's good. Appreciate it. So congratulations on that. And like, so, uh, how long have you been doing that? Yeah. So the meetup started last year, but it was just casual. It was just like going to a bar drinking and just <laughs> talking to other people. Right. And after that, it slowly evolved. So in January, uh, 2020, so this year, unfortunately COVID happened. So it kind of derailed off, but, uh, at the beginning of the year is, is when we started to really start inviting speakers out to the event and, and charging that ticket price and having that profit go towards charity. But before that, it was just like a casual meetup, right? So no speakers or anything. It's just a bunch of investors getting together, uh, laughing, drinking, having conversations, and we still didn't miss out on that element. So while we do have speaker events, we still have those casual meetups where people can come and just uh, talk with each other. And those events are completely free. We want to encourage everyone to come out and just surround themselves with like-minded people. It's just the events with the speaker. Like as you were saying, when you're adding value and giving education out that out there, it, it's, it's fair to charge kind of a ticket price in that sense. Um, but how long has that been June until now, whatever it's been less than a year, <laughs> whatever amount of months that is. I, yeah. Uh, congrats on that. It's awesome to see that growing like that, that, that quickly too. What is, uh, we talked a lot about this. I just want to get some, what are some actionable steps someone could take in the social media world uh, around growing a real estate investment business for themselves? What do you do? What, what are some things people can do and, and actually get some return out of that and not just you know, feel like they're just showing off to the world or whatever, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think one thing is to be, so first, document everything, whether you like it or not, or it comes second nature or not, you got to force yourself to go on social media and make an effort to document. I don't, I didn't build up the confidence to just pick up my phone and start recording right off the bat. It took me like six or seven months to build that confidence up before it was effort. I was like, Oh my gosh, I do not want to record this. I do not want to do that. But 
It's forcing yourself to get comfortable. So just documenting things on social media is the first step. Uh, second step is I, I started to educate people. So as I learned along the way, when I went to a networking event and got like a gold nugget out of it, I would go back to my followers and say, hey, this is what I've learned. Uh, this is the content. Like you should implement it in your real estate investment strategy as well. Or if you're an aspiring investor, you should know this, this, or this. So taking what I've learned and starting to educate others. So that's, now you're slowly positioning yourself as kind of the expert of real estate. <clears throat> On top of that, uh, the next step for me was I started giving out free products out there. So, and all of these things, I was not expecting anything in return. It was just starting to build my brand, right? Because at the beginning, you have to give, 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 and you cannot expect anything back. People will just take, 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 and it could take you a year or two before you actually start raising capital. It doesn't happen overnight. But I started to give free products. So all of my investment analysis tools, like when I was going to uh, an appraiser and saying like, this is what I think the value of the property is. I kind of have like a template for that. I would give that out to the community for free. I said, here you go. Uh, this is what I created. This is what I personally use. It's worked well for me. Use it if you want. Don't use it if you don't want. It's cool. My investment analysis tool, like here, take it guys. You can modify it. You can do whatever you want with it. I don't care. Up to you guys. But this is what I personally use. And I was just sharing every resource I had out there. Um, I was writing articles as well and just giving out content endlessly. So by doing that again, by giving the free product, by educating, by documenting, uh, by showing the journey of like the burr process when I was going through it and doing that consistently, that's when things started to really take off. And it was probably like a year into it. And even now I'm still trying to evolve my real estate game. So I've been going live on Instagram once a week and just doing Q and A because now I'm getting uh, a lot of questions in the DMS and I can't get back to all of them because I'm still working my full-time job. I'm still doing the real estate hustle. So I let people know like, Hey, I allocate one or two hours of my time a week and I'll just go on live, drop all of your questions there, take that content and I recycle it into other content. Right. And I'm engaging with the audience. So also engaging is extremely important. Um, but by doing all of those things, you're well on your way to building yourself a brand and credibility. And I know some people who do it on and off, like, they'll drop something maybe once a week, once every two weeks. Realistically, that's not going to be enough. You need to be top of, top of mind at all times. So if you go on Instagram, like maybe three times a day, you'll probably see my name pop up in the stories because I'm always posting stories. So I'll always go back to the top, right? I'm always top of mind. Uh, you want to be known as that real estate guy. And another thing is, is that people think the real estate space on social media is extremely competitive doesn't matter. You know what? Like you're not there to compete against other people. You're just there to document your journey and show what you're doing. And you might, chances are you're not targeting the same people as another investor because you have a different social group. You have different people that you were born and raised with. You had different uh, uh, students that, or, or you had different like people you went to school with, right? So you're going to have people that are not going to be crossed over with other audiences that are, that are other real estate personalities who are posting on social media. So those are the people that might engage interest and might do business with you in the future. But I just think that um, you don't have to be the absolute most, um, you don't have to be the absolute best investor. You don't have to be the absolute best agent. You don't have to be the absolute best contractor. But if you have the strongest brand, people will recognize you. And that's what kind of pulls people to do business with you, right? Um, yeah, that's kind of my thoughts on social media. Well, the other thing is too, there's lots of people out there looking for opportunities, right? And, um, and not everyone can invest with you, right? So, so you might be 
maybe not in a position to take on another investor right now. And then they'll go out and they'll find somebody else. They'll come across my my investment channel and then decide to go with me. So it's the same thing, right? As long as you have that opportunity out there, there's going to be somebody prepared to take that step. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's also important to also educate yourself on different platforms and who your target market is. If you're going to be taking social media seriously. So there's like LinkedIn, there's Instagram, there's Facebook. Um, with, with Instagram, it's going to be totally different content than LinkedIn. LinkedIn is like your professional network. You're educating others. Uh, in LinkedIn, all I do is write articles and, and, and share uh, tips. It's just educational, solely educational. I don't talk about financial independence um, because I was a corporate person. If someone was, was, was putting that content out there, I would think that guy's just trying to sell me something. He's trying to sell me financial independence. Impossible, right? So I have a corporate mindset because I still work with corporate jobs. So I know how they think. And they just like to be educated, educated, educated. And you can drop a small call to action there, right? Like don't make it too evident, just drop like a small call to action. It will slowly resonate with their brain. And then it kind of lean them, it will lean them towards talking with you and engaging in a conversation. And that's when you can take things to the next level. So uh, just understand with whatever platform you're using, just know the specific use case for it because you can't take what you're posting on Instagram and simply throw it on LinkedIn. Uh, Cause people are not like this, like if a CEO sees that they're gonna be like, what the hell is this? And just like toss it aside. Um, so yeah, just, if you're going into social media, also do your research into what content to put out there and how to engage your audience. This has been amazing. I think you've shared so much with us. I really appreciate you coming on today. Um, it's, you've got so much to share. I was going to pry into more stuff, but we'll have to have you back and talk to you again. Um, uh, you know, you came highly recommended from uh, a coach that I know. And so, um, Corey McKinnon. Shout and out Corey. So, yeah, shout out to Corey. We've had Best him on the show before. And, uh, and I'm glad that we were able to connect. So this has been wonderful. How can people get in touch with you? Yeah. So people, best way to get in touch with me is on Instagram at Austin Yay6. So A-U-S-T-I-N-Y-E-H-6. Um, if you click on my link tree on my bio, it has every other method to get in contact with me. So, but Instagram is the primary way. Beautiful. Appreciate it. Sandy. How about you? How can people get in touch with you? Uh, 289-389-6846 or yeah, any social channels or uh, Sandy at McKayRealtyNetwork.com. Yeah, you can find us all on Facebook, I'm sure, you know, if you managed to be watching this video, so you probably have uh, figured that out. Um, you can reach me at Rob at MrBreakthrough.ca. Easy. So Austin, again, thank you. Really appreciate you coming on and everybody thank you for watching and listening and we'll see you next time.